welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me in the Deer Blind Studios in the Mountain Room in Manchac, Texas, still looking for a sponsor, Mike Frizzell. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon. Nice to be with you today. Mike, we're here today for a Friday edition of the show, and we're going to talk to a 10, ask her about a favorite clip from TBTL history, and get to know all about her. And that 10, hitting close to home for me in West Seneca, New York, home of Schwabbles and Mayer Brothers, listener Bet McElreath. Good afternoon, Bet. Hello, Bobby and Mike. Hey there. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast from the suburbs of Buffalo. Yes. We're going to get to and know I'm really excited. Well, I'm really excited you mentioned Schwabbles because it's like the best place ever. And Beef on Weck is fantastic. <laughs> we have talked about Beef on Weck on the show before, and we often end up talking about Charlie the Butcher because that's the one that sort of steals the spotlight. But Schwabbles has been around forever and is amazing. So true. if that you're actually going to do the experience in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, that's the place to go. Yeah. And I think there. How do you what, spell that, by the way? Uh, S-C-H-A-W-B-E-L apostrophe S. Schwabbles. Okay. Something yeah, like that. I'm going to go look at that porn right now. <laughs> we're going to get to know Bet. probably talk a little bit more about Buffalo Food while we're at it. Then we'll get into her TBTL clip from history, some housekeeping, and how you can get involved with the show. Uh, and let's dive right in uh, to listener Bet, who you may know, and I should have mentioned right at the top, was our one time for a while there official LRB Simpsons reference correspondent. <laughs> I think we finally had to retire that because it's the same references that end up coming back over and over again with these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like I said, we'll let Mike put you through your paces. But before we do that, a, a little bit about you, Bet. Can we start with your name? Because Bet is maybe the least common um, shorthand for Elizabeth that I know. Yes, uh, that is true. Um, yeah, my name is Elizabeth, um, and I, when I was little, everyone called me Beth with the H on the end, uh, and then when I went to first grade, I decided that I was much too mature for that, and I wanted everyone to call me Elizabeth, and then in fourth grade, I decided that Liz was way cooler, and then when I was in college, um, I was at a party the one night, and this girl um, that I went to culinary school with, uh, she was like, you know what? I want to call you Bet," And I just really liked it because I always was like obsessed with Bette Midler as a kid, but I only wanted to spell it B-E-T. And it was nearly impossible to get people to actually call me Bet because for some reason it's very confusing. So 50% of the people in my life call me Liz and the other 50% call me Bet. <laughs> so... <laughs> As a gambler, I find bet very easy to remember. Yeah, well, that's what I always say to people when they're like, wait, what? I'm like, you know, like, I want to place a bet. (laughs) So. Yeah. I wouldn't forget someone's name if it was Wager. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) All right. Uh, Well, so you live in West Seneca now, which is uh, part of the South Towns of Buffalo for people who are unfamiliar. And, of course, people know because I never stopped talking about the fact that I lived in Buffalo for many years. and. Love Buffalo very much, and you are sort of, you said, South Buffalo adjacent. That's where we keep all the Irish in Buffalo. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
And also not that far from Orchard Park, home of the Buffalo Bills. Yes, which is where I work also. So go Bills, always. Uh, Good segue. Tell us a little bit about your work because you have uh, a job that fills your Instagram feed when it's not pictures of your beautiful (laughs) daughter, pictures of your work. That is correct, yes. Um, I am the residing pastry chef at the Orchard Park Country Club in Orchard Park, New York, home of the Buffalo Bills. Um, So I've been there for about a year and a half, and uh, it's uh, pretty good. Because I I, I run the pastry side of things all by myself, so um, it can be a little hectic at times, especially with the season that we're going into. Um, Christmas is insane, so, um, but yeah. It's it's good. And yeah, I get to kind of do what I want and I write my own menus and it's a yeah. good gig. We know that Anne and Andrea are now listening, so that's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the day? We've had, you're not the first pastry chef we've actually had on. I know, you know, we've had someone who works in a pie shop on, but what's your daily life like as someone at a country club? Uh, so basically, um, like I said, I, I write my own menus. We, we run a dessert menu for a month at a time, usually sometimes two months. Um, so there's usually five desserts on basically, uh, you know, a typical morning for me, I walk in, um, I write my production list out, uh, based on, you know, what I see we're running low on. If we have any banquets, you know, obviously I'll put any desserts I need for those on, uh, my list. And every day I uh, make um, fresh bread and rolls. So I always uh, start with that because it takes the longest. And then I'll run into desserts and then I, I leave when I'm done. I think Mike has gone quiet just because he's <laughs> distracted by thinking about all of this. <laughs> oh, I, I'm actually looking at the Schwabbles menu. <laughs> they, have, they have three kinds of poutine. So. Yeah, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Their soups are really good, too, actually. Uh, so, Bet, I was curious, as a pastry chef who probably does a wide range of sort of large event catering, uh, being the nature of that venue, uh, you probably get a combination of things that you get to make because you want to make them, and that's the menu you design. But I'm guessing you probably also get stuck with requests, especially if it's a wedding or a special banquet or something off a catering menu. Oh, absolutely. So I was wondering if you if you have like a favorite dessert you like to make when you're making hundreds at a time and if you have a least favorite that you like to make when you're making hundreds at a time. Um honestly, having to make hundreds at a time is my least favorite thing about it because it's a lot harder to focus on the little details um than if, you know, you're just having to do like 20 plates or something uh and at times too because you know we are kept on a budget etc um you know i can't always mass buy the more expensive ingredients that i'd like to play with so right um but anytime when i am doing you know a banquet or something and the chef just says like Okay, they want chocolate and uh, fall theme. Like, I like that because it gives me an opportunity to kind of use my brain. Like, last year, I remember we did a really big party, and um, I did a uh, chocolate mousse with candied oranges and cranberry sauce. And it uh, 
it was a really nice looking plate and it was just really fun to do and I got you know got to use my noggin which I liked because <laughs> that's um until I started at the country club for the last probably well five years I was uh strictly a cake decorator um so I really didn't get to use all of my skills. Like I'm, I'm very proud of my piping skills, but um, at the same time, you know, I really also like making things and having to think of uh, flavor combinations, etc. So that's been the really nice thing about this job is just actually getting to, you know, kind of come up with things and stuff like that. Do you ever watch any of those shows like Ace of Cakes? And you ever been drafted into a cupcake war? I used to. Um, when I was still, you know, uh, wet behind the ears, but now that I've actually been in the industry for, oh, going on 11 years, I, I can't stand them. <laughs> yeah. Mike, she's been in the field too long. She wouldn't be drafted into a cupcake <laughs> war. She'd come in as an officer. That's true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so while I was uh, digging in more, I mentioned your Instagram feed, and I think the mm-hmm. pictures are actually evenly distributed between um, things you've made and your daughter and uh, cats. I made her, too. <laughs> All right. That's yes. fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun, scrolling through all that. I think yeah. you're going to have to pick out a picture of us okay. for us of something you've yeah, made. Absolutely. Maybe not your daughter. I mean, that would be weird, but fine. But something... Something on the dessert end of the spectrum that you've made for the show picture. That would be really great. Excellent. Uh, And before I send you over to Mike, I also just want to get back into Buffalo a little bit more. So you're Buffalo born and raised, right? No. (laughs) Um, I am actually uh, an army brat. Um, I was born in San Francisco, California. And then we moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado. Or as Luke would call it, Springs. Um, (laughs) and then we moved to, uh, Statford, Virginia, um, when I was around four and then we moved to, um, and this gets more into the South towns of Buffalo, uh, right outside of, uh, Springville, New York, which is ski country. So that's about 40 minutes, uh, South of the city. Um, when I was in second grade and then, uh, I went to college in Pennsylvania, moved to Florida, and then I moved back to actually Buffalo and then bought a house in West Seneca. And actually now my husband and I are in the process of moving to Springville. So we will be even more in the South Downs. (laughs) Springville is down there. I've got good friends with a big tract of land and a house down there. It's that kind of place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why we're doing it is because, you know, we'll have a nice big yard and everything. So because right now we don't really have much as far as a backyard goes, because we're literally right next to the thruway. Like if you hopped off the 90 onto the 219, I could wave to you out my daughter's window. Um, Next time I'm down there, we can try it. Okay. (laughs) I haven't been out to Buffalo in a while, but next time I'm out there, I'll be sure to uh, slow down as I'm heading down to visit my friends in Springville. So that's yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Unless you beat me south first. Right. Um, I yeah. thought I hit – and did I see I, – I saw Glenwood on your Facebook page, so I was going to ask you if you just grew up in the shadow of Kissing Bridge. Uh, yes, I absolutely did. Um, my parents still live in the house in Crane Ridge. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, 
it's like a housing development in uh, Glenwood that's literally right across the 240 from Kissing Bridge. So, yeah. So go visit Bet if you want pastries and you want to go skiing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did do my due diligence and also creeping on your LinkedIn profile and everything else, but I think we actually <laughs> covered it pretty well. So uh, why don't we hand you over to Mike and I'll let him run you through your, your TBTL paces. All right. Bet, I know you've uh, you've heard the show before, so you know these questions are coming and they're on the run sheet. Mm-hmm. You don't make a secret of it. <laughs> so uh, how did you find TBTL? What was the... Uh, the t- Genesis of the, your starting to listen. The typical fashion. Um, I was a big weight weight fan for many many years, and um, I just really started to enjoy hearing Luke on the show. And I could never rem- remember the name of the podcast. Um, so the one day I made a point to uh, like write it down when Peter Sagal said it. So I you know immediately looked it up, and uh, then I started listening. Okay, so my my thing about um, especially the people that come over from Wait Wait, and I've never expressed this to Luke because he doesn't take uh, criticism or advice mm-hmm. um, very well, but that is to have a best of, just a, a, a absolute lock of an episode that people are going to love on the next Monday after his Wait Wait Don't Tell Me appearances. <laughs> so... In light of that, and that not being the case, um, what was your first episode? Did you just start listening the following Monday, or did you look for one that you thought would interest you? Um, No, I actually started the following Monday, but I downloaded as many episodes as I could because um, it was actually right when I uh, started at the country club because I was finally in a job where I could kind of listen to whatever I wanted. And... um, Mm -hmm. So I got really excited because I love podcasts anyway, um, and I listened to one episode. I don't remember what episode it was, but I just listened to as many as iTunes would let me, <laughs> and then uh-huh. I was really disappointed when I got to the end and they were like, there's no more available episodes. I was like, oh, man, now what? I got to wait till tomorrow? Damn. <laughs> Can you put earbuds in uh, while you're working? Is that just a part of your environment? Um, I actually, I have my own little area, um, so I just have a little Bluetooth speaker that I hook my iPod up to. Yes, I still have an iPod, <laughs> so, and I just play it, and I, I knew I was hooked, too, when I had to start pausing it if I was going to, like, leave my area. I was like, wait, I don't want to miss mm-hmm. anything. I I really like that. Um, what was the the episode where you were hooked, or where was it? Was it just... That Monday you were it, in, and, and that was it. It was, yeah, I kind of, I really dove in head first, and um, I was just like, okay, yeah, this is the thing for me. Um, okay. And I, I think it was the day, because I had been kind of having it on in the background when I first started, like, binge listening those first couple days, and then when I had to start pausing it every time I left the room, I was like, oh, yeah. man, I'm into this. Did you go back and listen to anything in the archives or was it not? First of all, like when, about what era was this and, um, and like what, uh, what was available to you to go back and get if you wanted to and did you do it? Uh, it was right after Mother's Day of last year and I think that iTunes allowed me to go um, back as far as like the first week in April. 
I want to say. So that mm-hmm. was as far back as I went. Um, because I didn't, I didn't know about the stents page or anything yet. So, uh, but yeah, like I have, I still have a saved like screenshot of Phyllis's guide to being a perfect 10. And I definitely, and I mean, that's, I love this show too. Cause I love listening to the old clips and everything. It's so great. So. Well, that's awesome. So, um, have you, I mean, obviously you've been all over LRB with, uh, with the Simpsons <laughs> yeah. watch. Have you ever had any TV tale appearances with stuff read or have you, uh, um, met the guys? I mean, what's been your interaction with the show? Um, yes, I've had some appearances on the show. Um, I, when they were having that whole debate, I feel like it was in the spring. I don't, they kept talking about meatloaf. So, and, um, I had just heard on the morning show here that Meatloaf had actually explained what he wouldn't do. So I, oh, right. I, I emailed the guys and um, Luke read my email. Um, and then uh, last year, my husband uh, got two deer because he's an avid hunter. And um, I had shared a picture on my Facebook of me breaking down the deer um, and Andrew uh, brought that up on the show, which was pretty cool because he kind of like, you know, defended it and said he would get that there's probably some people that don't want to look at it, but like he thinks it's cool that I was doing that. So, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, the the vegan and, and vegetarian, there was some there were some people who were upset. They thought it was like, yeah, um, Meat, meat porn or something yeah. like that. But it's just a thing that happens. Right. You know, we meet. But, I mean, in western New York, too, and I'm sure, Bobby, you probably know this to an extent, this is a very big hunting culture here. So 90% of my friends were like, hey, that's great. Oh, man, that's awesome for you guys. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also. It's just camo and cargo shorts as far as the eye can see. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. My husband actually has a camel bills hat. <laughs> it's okay because it's a bills hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, Luke mentioned like two to three days in a row. Um, I uh, kind of shit talked him in a tweet when uh, the Seahawks were playing the Bills on Monday Night Football. And he noticed. Oh, that was a wild game. Yeah, and he noticed that my Twitter bio, uh, I mentioned that I was a wife, so he thought that was pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> All right, um, what's your favorite drop? Or if you have multiples, you can. I do have tell multiples. Um, just so many of them have just like it's gotten into my speech pattern like it's bad because at work everyone's like you're weird why do you say these weird things <laughs> but i don't care um have it as have any has anyone ever started following along with like like started saying the drops that you say even not knowing the origin of them i mean because i like it when things around here catch on yeah my husband does um and he'll, because he doesn't actually listen to the show, but, like, he hears it in the house. So mm-hmm. he'll finish drops if they're on or, like, he'll say right. them if, you know, 
if we're at dinner talking about something. And both of us now cannot say the word apparently without doing it like that. Right. Because <laughs> I'm a kid. Yeah. I don't watch the news. <laughs> um, and I, I can't hear. There's something about without going the soul of a cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we got a kitten right about the same time that Luke and Carrie got Olive. And I hadn't actually watched Game of Thrones at that point, so we named him Odin. But then I just started calling him the Hodor of podcatting all around the house. And now I literally... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't call him Odin anymore. His name is just Hodor now. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely for sharks is... You, I think you, you've lucked out of having not heard the vast majority show because you, you might never be able to speak in anything but drops if you yeah. Yeah. had been listening from the beginning. Yeah. Because that, I mean, it, they go through my head. I don't say them out loud all the time, thank God. Right. <laughs> but uh, I could I could conduct my life just in drops. Yeah. I think Emily I know. would kill you if you kept interrupting her true crime podcasts with TBTL drops. Oh, yeah. 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 But speaking of like adopting uh, language, yeah, we adopt we adopt each other's stupid language mm-hmm. things all the time, including drops. Yeah. Um, uh, let me interrupt uh, with a little ahead. bit of research. Um, I did this on the fly, so it might not be accurate, but bet you can tell me if it sounds right. I checked the first time that Luke appeared on uh, Wait Wait after Mother's Day 2016 was just just like a week later, so the end of. Uh, May 2016, May 28th, and the following Monday episode, Mike, I think you'll be tickled by this, episode 2130, uh, a putterer in the streets, a mutterer <laughs> in the sheets. Yes, I do remember that show title. <laughs> Luke and Andrew celebrate Memorial Day by eating cereal, lots and lots of cereal. I think this was an intro rerun of the cereal special. Uh huh. Well, then, good. They loaded up a good one. Exactly, because that's like a great hook. I mean, Bet, do you remember? Did you did you hear the cereal special? Yes. Yeah. So that, I, that I remember that uh, show title too. Because and as a uh, podcast aficionado at that time, you probably already had listened to cereal. I mean, that music was very evocative of. Actually, no. Um, I had never heard of cereal. Um, <laughs> I. I listened to the most random podcasts. It's actually funny. The first podcast I ever listened to was um, Andrew Zimmern's podcast, Don't uh, Go Fork Yourself. And um, uh-huh. it was only on for like two years. And I was listening to it super regularly. And then I found like Alton Brown's podcast. So I, I was doing a very food-centric thing right. with my podcast listening. And then... Um, I mean, that's the other cool thing about TBTL is it's just, like, I've found I, I don't even have time to listen to all of the podcasts I'm subscribed to anymore <laughs> because every time they bring up a new one, I'm like, ooh, I got to listen to that. Ooh, I got to listen to that. <laughs> and then Anne, too, she always brings up really good ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's passionate about that. Um, so I, I think I found the right person to ask since you listen to a lot of food podcast i imagine there's some amount of eating that goes on yeah. on some of those shows what's your tolerance for for luke's eating oh it's obnoxious <laughs> good 
Because it's not it's not a part of the show, you know. No. It's not like he's and he's tasting like, some. Because it seemed like he was semi apologetic for a while, and now he's just like, mm-hmm. no, I'm eating right now. I don't care. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, drives me nuts. Yeah, that's the All right, uh, the big the misophonia. Yeah. Uh, and I have to think an Andrew Zimmern uh, podcast would fail because you can't see the ridiculous, disgusting things he's eating. Because that's like 90% of his bit is that he's eating something that was a testicle in some third world country or something. Right. But it was so different. It was such a good show. I loved it because he had this um, woman and his co-host. Her name was Molly. And um, he is actually a dirty filthy old man like it's great like he would just drop f-bombs and talk about being naked in hotel rooms and like it was it was just absolutely fantastic and they just had a great dynamic and i mean they would talk about food and like restaurants and stuff and sometimes they would have a guest chef on and they would just talk about being in the industry and just all kinds of different stuff and it was very different from bizarre foods and it was just really neat to see that side of him because i never thought of him as like oh my god you use swears and stuff wow in podcast mode he's anthony yeah kind of yeah (laughs) so he's he is actually a bad was the original bad boy oh yeah absolutely i don't know if you know about his past but he was a homeless heroin addict and alcoholic for many years Mm. in uh new york city and then he moved to minnesota when he was 31 and he got clean and got his restaurant jobs back and became a very successful traveler chef man (laughs) wow i have way undervalued him yeah yeah he's seriously one of my most favorite people i actually asked uh ann at the austin show i was like do you know andrew zimmer you guys both live in minnesota (laughs) (laughs) sure they rub shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> so, the um, the last question before we move on to the the clip that you've chosen is why does TV Tale matter to you? Um, TV Tale matters to me because it just it it makes me really happy, and even when it doesn't, I know that I can go to the tens and or throwyourphone.com and go, okay, this was really annoying, <laughs> and just like. All the tens and stuff, like, I'm a very um, enthusiastic about local celebrities. Like, I, I get really excited whenever anybody mentions Buffalo. Like, if, if Bobby, you do on the show, or if Luke says something. Like, when they did the, the story about the Tonawanda Sandwich Man, I was like, yes, I know about that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, like, I even met... Mike Randall, the local weatherman on Channel 7 here um, a couple weeks ago at a, a charity event. And it's still just exciting and it's cool. And, like, I kind of think of some of the tens like that. Like, I mean, I'll be like, oh, my gosh, John Takamoto liked my photo. That's so cool. <laughs> and it's just, it's neat. <laughs> I don't know. And it's just, it's it's opened up this really cool door um, that I didn't know was there, and and it's it's just been really a, a totally wonderful experience, and I, and I look forward to the episodes every day, and it's just uh, yeah, it's really cool. I like it a lot. Well, I'm really glad you uh, came aboard. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thanks. 
Um, I wanted to ask before we go to the tape, which is a really, really good clip and a long clip, so we want to make sure we have plenty of time for it. Um, how would you compare your TBTL fandom to your Simpsons fandom? Because we didn't do it before we got into your 10s questions. Oh, they're they're pretty close. Um, but I'd say my uh, Simpsons fandom has... Um, it's. <laughs> probably more of an issue at this point um i literally watch the simpsons every night uh when i go to bed um the simpsons that's like my lullaby now and it's been like that for many years um so i always um because i have all of the seasons that are out on dvd and now that it's on fxx every night um except for wednesdays and saturdays uh, I can just turn that on. So, um, I don't, they're, they're both pretty close because, um, like I said, the Simpsons is, is definitely been a comfort blanket for a long time for me, but, um, TBTL has definitely, uh, become that for me also. So, uh, yeah, yeah I love them both. I am. And- not going to ask you what your favorite episode of the Simpsons is because I'm not sure that's something that a true fan can calculate. I'm always trying to figure no. out what my top five or ten are, and I'm not sure I can even do that. But um, do you have I, a favorite era of The Simpsons? Uh, yes. Um, I'd say uh, season seven and eight are probably my favorites. Like six, seven, and eight. That those were really, really good. Um, I don't. I, I like you said. I I can't say that I have a favorite episode, but um. One of my top favorites is You Never Move Twice uh, with Hank Scorpio, which is uh, <laughs> Albert Brooks. <laughs> that is such a good episode. And Lisa the Vegetarian, because when Lisa says she's going to stop eating meat and Homer says, pork chops, bacon, I forget the other one. And then she goes, Dad, that's all the same animal. And he's like, oh, yeah, Lisa, some magical animal. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, that has the flying pig and the gazpacho. Yes. It's an yes. excellent episode. <laughs> it's tomato soup served ice cold. <laughs> uh, and you only move twice. Yes. Also, um, just that moment of, of Marge Simpson just sitting in her immaculate kitchen drinking yeah, a glass drinking of wine a glass because of she doesn't wine. know what to do. Well, and then you know? she says she can only drink half a glass. And I just, I love it when Hank Scorpio comes and he throws the moccasins out the door and he goes you ever seen a man throw a shoe and homer goes just once i don't know why but that moment just every time it cracks me up (laughs) uh as soon as bet and i can find a way to do a podcast where we recap every episode of the simpsons in a way that it's not already being done by 30 other people we will roll that out on the 10710 network yes uh but until then Why don't we get to our uh, TBTL clip? You're taking us back to uh, August 10th of 2016. And this, this is a great um, out of the usual scope of TBTL episode of TBTL. And I can't remember how we came on to pick this one. Do you remember? Uh, Yes, because um, my favorite thing about it is that it actually... It ties into a, an episode later also um, because of Andrew's uh, hard rain uh, bowling right. nickname, which 
uh, he hilariously finds out like a week or two later he has been misremembering his entire life but he thought that the guy at the bowling alley got it but he really didn't <laughs> so and it's it's just a fantastic episode the dynamic between Phyllis and Andrew is always just delightful so Yeah, so uh, NPR can take Phyllis from LRB, but we'll always have backstock Phyllis Yes, to bring back onto the show. This is an entire episode. Uh, Luke's on vacation. Andrew and Phyllis are going bowling. August 10th, 2016. Space Cadet resting face. We'll come back after the episode to talk about it. All right. Just pulling up to Phyllis's house. Oh, it's a cute house. Hey. Hey, Phyllis. How's it going? Fine, how are you? Are you ready to go bowling? Yeah, totally. All right, so let's talk about our plan here. Okay. So I'm parked outside your house. Cute house, by the way. Oh, thank you. So um, I am uh, in my car outside your house, but it occurred to me that I should probably be in the passenger seat if you don't mind driving. I don't mind if you don't. And you told me yesterday that you can you can handle this uh, beast of a uh, manual <laughs> transmission. Yes, I can. I can drive stick. Okay. And um, there's basically no clutch anymore. So that's one thing you're going to need to know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I think it's pretty flat from here to there, so we should be all right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's let's switch seats then. Okay. Uh, let's just... I guess we should just get out of the car to do okay. this. All right. All right. All right. Let's go bowling. Okay. Do you want to do the TBTL uh, acapella? <laughs> TBTL. All right. Okay. How you like her so far? Your engine is so quiet. For a second, I was like, is it on? It's on, right? Or is it? Oh, it's on. Okay. It's on. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let me tell everybody what's going on. In case you're just tuning in, this is the first episode of TBTL you've ever heard. What a strange one to pick, my friend. It is episode number 2,182. My name is Andrew Walsh, still filling in for Luke Burbank, who is on vacation. The woman driving my car very well. I must say, in the first block that we've gone, is Phyllis the Fletch Fletcher. We are on our way to Kenmore Lanes. Why are we on our way to Kenmore Lanes, a bowling alley in Ken... It is in Ken... No, is it in Kenmore? Is that why it's called... Okay. I just thought it was one of those trick things where it's called Kenmore <laughs> Lanes, but really it's in... I don't know. Let's just say Edmonds. I'm just going to call everything Edmonds now. It's really in Kenmore, yeah, on the north end of Lake Washington. Okay, so yesterday, uh, Phyllis and I were doing the show together, and we posted on Facebook that we wanted to uh, take a field trip, get out of the studio a little bit, live a little, and uh, you guys had a whole bunch of suggestions for us, and um, a lot of them were not doable, <laughs> a lot of them were not palatable, but in that Venn, in that sweet, sweet spot, that, that overlapping Venn diagram of uh, doable and palatable... There was go bowling in Kenmore, and so that's what we're doing. Yep, yep, I'm really excited. Uh, Here's what I'm uh, interested in finding out, and we should talk about our um, plan here. Okay. As you know, I'm a somewhat anxious person. Yes. So we need to figure out 
how we're going to handle this whole recording in a private establishment thing. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's go over our options. We could go in there, guns a blazing, as it were, with my uh, with my microphone out. I would take off these big ass headphones I'm wearing. By the way, I would at least do that. I don't have to. I don't have to look like a Ghostbuster going in there. But we could just go in with you know me casually holding the microphone and my little my little recorder here, and just kind of say, hey, we're here to bowl. And also, you guys don't mind if we just record our voices while we do it. That's one option. Another option is I put all this shit in my bag, and we don't say anything until we get to our lane, and then we pull it out, and then we start surreptitiously, not surreptitiously, but casually recording ourselves mm-hmm. using this big microphone, which I can almost guarantee at some point somebody there is going to be like, hey, what are you guys doing? We don't want to be on TV. Ah, uh, the TV thing. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> always thinks you're on TV. They see a microphone, and they think you're on TV. I know, it's because you see the microphones on TV, these big old microphones we got. <sighs> I'm a fan of option B, but if that makes you nervous, I respect that. Um, I think if, if we go in there, you know, just totally... Um, well, one thing I was thinking about, too, production-wise, is if, if, we, if we record walking in, are we really going to use that anyway? Like, is that something we need for production? Do we want the recording of us walking in? You would usually think no, but then sometimes, you know, you go to an Arby's and it turns out the woman's selling you your uh, your uh, tasty Texas or whatever the hell it is I order every time um, is a really colorful character and you wish you had that on tape. Uh, but did, is, is she the lady who got on after all? I honestly don't remember the details that much. I just remember the woman at the counter was pretty... I think we tried to do some surreptitious recording. Anyway, here's the bottom line here. I'm just going to... Don't worry about my anxiety. My anxiety tells me that I should do whatever you, a way more professional person, would recommend. Like, you've gone around as a reporter a zillion times more than me. Um, So you think that the best thing to do is just go in there, keep everything in the bag, and then maybe, um, you know, take out the microphone when it's time to start uh, picking out bowling balls. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, you know, if anyone asks what we're doing, I just answer, like, one question at a time. If someone's like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're recording ourselves. You know? Right, and then don't say for what. Then they'll be like, oh, for what? And then you can just be like, oh, we just do a silly little podcast. You could. <laughs> yeah, we do this podcast for fun. And then they'll say, how many listeners? I'm like, mm, tens. Right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. okay. That'll be our plan. That's our plan going in. Yeah. Um, I don't have to wear these big headphones. Uh, we'll, we'll keep those on the DL. Yeah. Um, let's see, other other considerations. First of all, let's talk about your outfit. Are you, uh, any consideration <laughs> going into your bowling outfit today? Yes, I'm wearing a Wonder Woman t-shirt for extra confidence. Um, I know you said you thought I'd be getting all strikes, but um, when... You you might remember I said I'm better at bowling than at tennis, but I was terrible at tennis. I'm not really that good at bowling. Okay. So this is my newest t-shirt. I just got it. It looks like an NBA type of logo, but it's Wonder Woman. And um, I like it. My first time wearing it. It's fun. And I'm, I'm also wearing bowling socks that's important i've been uh many a time with someone who uh we decide to go bowling at the last minute and somebody isn't wearing their socks and then you have a very very tough decision to make 
Well, that's what these socks are, actually. I had, I think I had gone kind of impromptu bowling in Vegas one time when I went to one of those casinos that has a, um, it has a bingo and karaoke, and then you find out, oh, they also have bowling. Um, so I needed socks, and they had a sock vending machine. Um, or that is smart. I'll bet you Kenmore Lanes does not have a sock vending machine. I think they do. I think really? I saw one, yeah, and but, um, you know, I wasn't bowling, so I didn't need it. But um, these bowling socks are cool because they actually have uh, bowling balls and pins on them. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And comfortable pants. Like, I had to think about, you know, my pants a little bit today. I don't have a lot of options for pants, but I definitely was trying to pick the pair that would not. Um... thing about bowling that a lot of people don't want to talk about is the fact that if you're bowling with a group of people, let's say there's four of you, three quarters of the time you're looking at somebody else's ass. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know, I did think about that because especially during the summer, I like to wear dresses a lot for whatever I'm doing. Even just a very casual dress it's the most comfortable thing I can wear. But I was like, I'm definitely wearing jeans today. Like, I'm not going to – this is my other, like – soccer mom outfit on the weekends is to wear yoga pants. <laughs> like, oh, right. Kind of long t-shirt yoga pants, take Gus around to, to the stuff that I have him doing soccer and whatnot. Um, but I was like, I'm not gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be a little bit careful with that. But if you had a really long shirt, like almost like a like a 1990s Elaine Bennis nightgowny uh-huh. kind of uh, overshirt that hung low enough, I could imagine yoga pants being the perfect pants to bowl in. Yeah, actually, if you had like yoga pants and like a tunic, <laughs> yeah, right. that would be great. But, you know, I was like, I can still wear jeans. I can do this. So I have my jeans on. Okay, a uh, little warning for you. I probably at one point will start claiming that I have a bum thumb. That's usually what happens if I start losing. So just keep an eye on that. What else do we know about Kenmore Lanes? We know that there's pull tabs there. Oh, yeah. I didn't do any pull tabs when I was there. So I'll, I'll be psyched about that. That'll be fun. I was thinking about what are we going to do if, if, like, you know, we buy a basket of pull tabs and win. Um should we donate our winnings to the TBT Elathon? What should we do? All right, first of all, I'm cutting that part out because <laughs> I'm not going to be spending company money on pull tabs. Of course not. I'm just thinking in the spirit of, you know, winning on tape. Nobody can hear what you're saying because I'm beeping it all out. Listen, here's my experience with pull tabs lately. I came back to Seattle. I tried pull tabs like for the first time. And guess what? Beginner's luck. I won a little something. I won 75 bucks. I was very excited about it. And um, came out ahead that day, probably by 50 or something, when you consider all the money I spent on the pull tabs and then the tip and then the... Oh, do you know that the tip is supposed to be 10% of your winnings, by the way? Oh, good thing I never won anything because I didn't know that. (laughs) I think, I mean, if you win a dollar, I don't think you have to leave a dime. But, uh, you know, like if you win something big, they expect 10%. Plus, uh, usually if there's, you know, you got to pay with cash for pull tabs. So if there's an ATM, you're going to be paying an ATM fee. Anyway, point being, the first time I played, I won a little something. I liked it. And I was like, this is a fun, lucrative hobby. Um, And I've been chasing that dragon ever since. Um, Just last Friday... I put down $30. I only won $1 back. Even the bartender thought something was wrong with the, with me or the tabs or something. So any pull tab money I win today using my own money, yeah. I 
uh, I, I hate to say it, but I need to keep it because it's only going to go towards the hole that I've dug for myself. <laughs> that totally makes sense. I've been probably trying to dig myself out of a bingo hole since 1997. Do you have a regular bingo game? I don't, but I like to do it. Um, I, I, uh, You know how... It's one of those things that kind of fell by the wayside when I had a kid, but I used to go all over Seattle on a bus, actually, um, with my friends just looking for bingo games. <laughs> that sounds like the nerdiest slash badassiest uh, thing I can imagine. It's just like Friday night, you all have cigarettes dangling out of your mouth, and you're just kind of like, <laughs> we just on to the next bingo night, on to the next bingo venue. Yeah, it was awesome. And so I still remember where I won my $100. It was at the Wallingford Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> oh, that's a good feeling. There's a good, um, there's a good bingo night at a dive bar here. Uh, in Walling for no in Ballard uh, called the Water Wheel. Oh, I know the Water Wheel. I didn't know they had bingo. I okay, I will check it out. Yeah, it's a great little bar. They have great fried chicken. That's what they're famous for. And oh, that's right. You're the you you're in and you haven't had their fried chicken. I have not. I've only karaoke there. That's it, and had beer. It's a fun karaoke joint as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And there's a little outside area where I think they have like, well, no jarts. But I think they have, like, various outdoor games. Um, we got to go. And I, one night, we just found ourselves there, and they pulled out the bingo cards, and it was tons of fun. So um, uh, this probably doesn't mean much to the listeners, but I used to go there with, like, a Derek of KUOW. Yep, Derek Wong. Exactly. We used to go there and uh, do bingo a couple of times. It was tons of fun. So... Um, so let's plan on doing that. That actually seems like a good TBTL activity if we ever need one. Bingo night? Yep, I'm there. I'm in. Maybe we could rent another American Legion hall. Just blow two years' worth of TV telethon money on another American <laughs> Legion hall uh, from a guy named Bear. Uh, all right, so let's see. Bowling history I want to talk to you about here, Phyllis. Um, I guess we kind of have yours now. You've, uh, you're... you're Confident, but you're also not overly confident. I would say I'm excited, but not necessarily confident that I can actually do well. Last time I went bowling, I did win um, with, um, I was with three other chicks who never bowl. So it's, uh, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that I won. But that was probably about three years ago um, when my sister and sister-in-law and her friend were were up here visiting and kicking it. So... Um, you won, but what does that mean? I mean, the points are the same no matter who you're playing. About what do you what do you get points wise each time? Man, I don't know if you know if I won, I might have broken a hundred. But I mean, that's that's a good day uh, for my bowling if I broke a hundred, <laughs> which is really bad because isn't the top score three hundred? Yeah, top score is three hundred, but that's where I mean that's if you get, you have to get all strikes all the time, and then points start counting you know, double, and I don't, honestly, like, I just, once you get up to that last frame with all the crazy math going on, like, thank God for computers, because I wouldn't, I would have no idea how to keep score there, and I'm sure there's literally no way to find out, I'm sure that nobody with my intelligence level could ever figure out how to keep score at bowling, but I'm sure Ken Morlanes has the computerized system, I'm, uh, I'm always trying to uh, get to that 100 mark. Like, I can get there, but I don't always get there. But I get there somewhat consistently, so that's always my thing. The The one thing um, I can't do is bowl with Durs because he gets in my head. And I don't know how he does it, but, like, I'll be having a good game, and then he'll just, like, come up to me and he'll just whisper in my ear something like, 
you're having a good game, aren't you? And then that's it. It's just, that's it. He's just got the durs over me. Yeah. He's he's the cooler of bowling. He really is. And this especially works for me. It's easy to get inside my head. And he's uh, he's got the keys there. Um, so, yeah, I'll be shooting for it. I mean, I don't know how many games we're going to play. Probably maybe only time for one. But if I can get 100, I will consider it a success no matter what is on your scorecard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I support that. That's how I'm going to feel about my own score. I uh, But, of course, I don't want it to be that one of those things where it's like, oh, we both won. Right. That's, oh, so um, do I need to, like, um, manufacture some sort of grudge match here or something where, let's see, you would be the, let's see, I'd be the heel and you'd be the, this drove Luke crazy when we couldn't remember it last time. Yeah, and I still don't know. <laughs> I think somebody just put it in an email to me recently as well. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll have to gin up some kind of, uh, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, I mean, I could, I mean, I think I'm pretty good at um, shit talking. I mean, do you want, I mean, first of all, I don't see any reason why we can't both be heels. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're both, we're both the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> this is already not working. I'm sorry, Phyllis. This just isn't working. Oh, okay, good. We're both the bad guy. Cool. Yeah. That's how bad guys talk. Um, do you, uh, do you know my story about Ross Reynolds and, uh, bowling? No. It's not that good of a story, but here it is. Um, so Ross Reynolds, uh, used to host a show called The Conversation on KUOW where Phyllis and I, uh, both used to work. Isn't it funny, by the way, to think about that time? You and I are, we used to work very close to each other. Didn't really talk all that much. We were too busy. I mean, you guys would be just jamming on your show until you went on the air. And um, we would mostly only talk when you had to have me on to talk about a Supreme Court case or the school board. Right, which was usually, and kind of rare. And also, we should keep in mind that, like, I was never a full-time, like, salaried employee there. Like, for my first year there, I think I was, like, there on a voluntary basis. And then and then started, like, making, like, you know, whatever, like, the kind of the the... Not intern wage, but like whatever the part-time person wages. So I was probably there for maybe a total of two years, I want to say. But I'm sure the first year of it, I was just like totally keeping my nose down. Like I'm pretty shy in a new workplace. And so I'm not like just like going around gabbing with people, you know. You were always working. And I say that kind of thing always works in your favor because then people, that's literally how I remember you is you were always working. You always had that like all business look on your face walking down the hall you always look like you were in a hurry you weren't one of those kind of people who stood around talking shit or asking people about their shoes <laughs> i know but i was keeping notes now i have a whole page of questions i want to ask you about your various shoes that you were wearing in 2009 um but uh yeah no that's something that i don't think i kind of i definitely was not doing consciously for um most of my life but it maybe it was down at my last job in la or something i did kind of realize that like i quickly I don't know you would say develop a reputation, but I am a person who is usually nervous at work, especially when you're new at work. And so that manifests itself into a certain stress level for me. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Stress can be good. Like I, And also my jobs in public radio 90% of the time have been working on some sort of a live on-air product. So you're running around at the last minute, and I love it. I love live radio, and I love that excitement, but... I also just kind of, I don't know, you put on a game face. Like, I think there are other people who can take that more in stride. But for me, 
it's just part and parcel of doing live radio on the fly. Will the ISDN connect? Is the guest there? Like all that stuff. Like from the moment you wake up in the morning, you hit that editorial meeting, you're kind of like from the moment you put your feet on the ground out of bed, you're just kind of already thinking like live show in T minus six hours, right? Uh-huh. I see you. That's stressing you out. I kind of like that. If you like the show you're working on and you like the people you're working with, for me, that's tons of fun. But it's also obviously a little bit stressful. So for me, that's game face time. Not like I'm thinking about what I look like, but it took me years to kind of realize that, yeah, people who don't know me or people who don't talk to me, they just think that I am having the worst day every day of my life because I'm going around just looking like, you know, I'm Sasha fiercing it up. (laughs) Is that what you thought when you first met me? You're like, well, I didn't know Sasha Fierce was an... Oh, no. That's that's a 35-year-old guy. I... You know, you put it so well. I never, I would not have, I would not have put it that way, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, and I learned about myself that my game face is that I look completely spaced out. I learned that from other really? people. Yep. Yep. I look like I don't know what's going on. Because you're probably doing more, like, uh, your game face is probably less, like, me running around making sure there are guests on the line and equipment's working, and you're more like, I've got got all my tape, now I'm sitting at my desk and I'm trying to write. Yeah, I think so, and also, like, even in meetings, like, I try to I try to have my mouth um, closed if I'm not talking, but I think sometimes <laughs> I can kind of look like this, like, here, you can describe this. A gape. Yeah. And, like, even, like, I think I get a little bit of a dulled look in my eyes. And also I have kind of heavy, heavy, like, um, eyelid look, you know, resting face. (laughs) Like, I have space cadet resting face, basically. (laughs) And I've had people ask me, like, um, like, you know, you know, Peter Clowney, he used to work at, um, at your, at your joint there. Um, he came to do uh, special training at KUOW one time for editors and it was super awesome and exciting because training like that doesn't exist much like there's training for reporters and training for managers but not specifically for editing and it, I was one of very few people chosen to participate in it and it was great and he was making some kind of point and he looked at me and said are you tracking what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like Oh, yeah. I'm totally into it. He was like, okay. (laughs) I think he just needed to check in because I looked like I was completely spaced out. Now, I've only met Peter once, but I know he's, um, I mean, he's got a hell of a reputation in public radio um, as a great producer um, and head producer and all that. But I also think he, he has a reputation for being a good guy, right? Like, he wasn't saying that to you. Here I am. What a leading question. But was he saying that to you like he was trying to keep you on your toes or he was a little concerned that he was losing the class? He um, he wasn't trying to bust me out at all. Um, it wasn't it was more of a concern like, do you am I still making sense kind mm, of I thing see. and not like a, you shouldn't be here kind of thing at all. You know, it was it was like, um, yeah, he just something about my face told him that I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> You told me about your first days at NPR, where I think it was a fellowship you got or something there, right? And I remember you even talking about how you have some regrets, although it just made me angry about kind of the way uh, you, you you perceive people maybe judging you based on your appearance and, and maybe limiting some opportunities for you there. Um, 
was that before or after you were already uh, working at, at, at KUOW? After it was like the it was their kind of um, classy version of a poach move. You know, they would they would kind of uh, pluck certain people from obscurity uh, who had station jobs already. I see. Yeah. So what were your before KUOW? You didn't work in radio at all. I don't think. Well, how did you how did you first get into KUOW? And what were your first experiences like there? Well, so I um I had. I had been in the software industry, and um, I had been laid off. Um, I'd worked for the same company for five and a half years, and um, I got laid off during the dot-com bust, and uh, rightfully so, as I was, you know, just kind of so-so in software, I think. I was... um, I sometimes call myself, you know, how you're trying to t- call me the doyen of the dateline. Yeah. I was the Salieri of software. <laughs> <laughs> who is your who is your Mozart? Man, I got to give a shout out to Aaron Brooks and Alex Yan. They taught me um just about everything I knew in the professional software engineering game. I took like one or two classes in college, but those guys taught me on the job basically and I owe them a huge debt so what's up Aaron and Alex (laughs) those guys are rad but so um so uh uh they're still one of them's still in the game the other one's retired I think but um uh so I was laid off and every time this was like the summer of 2002 I would think about getting another software job it would make me sick like I would feel sick and I would even do interviews at like some pretty high profile places but I was just like, I had this feeling that was like, is this seriously what I'm on this planet to do? Like, I wasn't in a relationship. I was, I had my apartment downtown. I was fine. Um, well, and then I guess by the time I was making that decision, I was in a relationship. But I, um, for most of the time that I was in software, I, I wasn't. And I just, I had this feeling of like, uh, what am I, what am I going to do? do like is this seriously what the rest of my life is like is kind of halfway being sort of be able to talk to computers good <laughs> it's pretty pretty lame thing to be sort of okay at like you should either be great at it or or just not do it and so um a bunch of like half-ass software engineers are thinking about quitting their jobs right now <laughs> well don't quit yet because i also had no debt and a really cheap apartment so there's that <laughs> and i didn't quit i was i was laid off like i can't act like this was some brave thing I did but um I went swimming one day uh stop me if you heard this before (laughs) have you heard this before no I don't think so okay I was um I was really into swimming at the time uh and I was swimming at the pool um on the top of Queen Anne and I thought I wish I could be listening to KUOW right now because the world is on and I'm gonna miss the geo quiz and I love the geo quiz and and um It was like one of my favorite shows. And I was like, oh, how come when I swim, I can't, there's just like, that's the one thing I can't do is listening to KUOW. And um, I got out of the pool and I thought that is a crazy thought to have. Um, that's uh, really weird. And I was walking to the bus stop and I, it's the one moment. You're wearing your Marco Werman t-shirt, I imagine. <laughs> I wish. And I, um... I just had this, like, only moment in my life of epiphany of if I'm so obsessed with that radio station that I 
wish the one hour of the day that I physically can't listen to it that I could, maybe that's what I should be doing. Like maybe instead of just consuming that, I should be producing that. Um, because maybe then I wouldn't need the perks that you get in software to be happy and feel like I was contributing. And so I started by writing a, a letter to the host of the show that Luke was a writer on, actually, called Rewind. I didn't know Luke at the time, but I just wrote a letter that they probably got, like, dozens of letters like this every week. Like, please let me intern on your show. And, like, you know, I, I'm a fan and I, you know, have a brain. And if you need help with your computer stuff, I can help you. But I just want to intern on the show. And they were, you know, they, to their credit, wrote back a thanks but no thanks, like, very kind, you know, polite letter, and I was just like, oh, that's not going to work. That's the show, by the way, is a comedy show. It was a Friday evening, I believe, comedy show that was actually distributed around the country and hosted by Bill Radke, right? Yep, it was really funny. I loved that show. It was awesome. So um, so that, that little scheme didn't work, but I was, and this is where, like, kind of the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing kind of kicks in. I, not only did I used to skip class to listen to the radio in college, but when I was a software engineer, I started volunteering at the Washington Talking Book and Braille Library, where I sometimes interviewed authors, but mostly was narrating books for people who are visually impaired. Ooh, busting through a yellow light. I love it. Uh, I used to do that, too, a little bit in New Hampshire, and before that, a little bit in Ohio for, um, I would read uh, magazine articles. Oh, you did? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, it was it was one of those things where it, like, I, I was able to learn a little bit about voicing and audio editing, just some real basics. Um, but another, the even cooler thing about that is that some people who worked at KUOW were volunteers there also. And um, they heard me talking to my friend, Jamala Henderson, uh who worked at the Talking Book and Braille Library. Like, we would talk about, oh, I'd really, I want to volunteer over there. And, like, the woman who ran the pledge drive at the time said, you guys should come and volunteer in the pledge drive. And um, so that's actually how I started at KUOW was volunteering at the pledge drive. But you were volunteering like a, like you know, answering phones and stuff because that's still like, you know, usually the public radio station, whichever one will open up the doors or whatever and people will come in and answer phones. But it's not usually an entree into the production side of things at all. Well, I showed up every day um, and uh, I would dress uh, nicer than I normally dress. <laughs> So I showed up like professionally dressed and um, a, a reporter noticed me, um, noticed me. <laughs> Who was it? Do you, do you want to not say? I would love to say it's Kathy Ducham. Oh, and she's back there now. She is. Yep. And so she noticed and she was like, so you've been here every day. What's your deal? And I was like, this is my chance. So I said, well, um, I'm. I'm volunteering at the library right now, but what I'd really love to do is intern here in the newsroom. And um, she said I should write a letter to the news director, and that was one of the things I actually had already done. It just hadn't gone anywhere. And um, then he came walking down the hall. And she said, this is Phyllis. She said she wrote you a letter, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, and then um, Kathy invited me to job shadow her on election night. I did. I wrote a thank you note, and then she invited me to intern with her once a week. And so I did that, and um, simultaneously I, um, I applied to um, 
produce a documentary about my dad as an artist in residence at Jack Straw. And all this time, I'm sure like now it's like, well, how did she have time to do all this stuff? Um, I was on unemployment and like I said, I had no debt. So, and how long was a span of this, uh, the, the, like from the, from the moment in the pool to let's say you getting hired post internship? Um, so the moment in the pool was probably July, 2002 and, um, getting my full time, my first full time job at KUOW was, July 2004. Wow, so two years. Yeah, so two years, and and um, in the second of those two years, I... Um, bump? <laughs> we are at Kenmore Lanes, by the way, now. We are just pulling into the parking lot where there are some speed bumps that you do not want to F with. <laughs> no. I, um... Let's see. In the in the in the second of those two years, I started picking up freelance work quite a bit. So I still wasn't fully making my living off of public radio, but I was starting to make just enough money to get by. And I had a part time gig um, producing an event at Town Hall. And um, yeah, then the aforementioned Derek Wong went to grad school, and uh, they hired me to uh, to be his fill in for a year. And then while I was doing that, they hired me permanently also. Well, uh, belated congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pleased it came up. I was like talking about that. Um, cause to me, part of the lesson is, I mean, one of the things I admire about you is you had something you wanted to do and, and you did it from the jump. You didn't think of it as something that other people could do. Um, you just did it from a very young age. Whereas I was like, not, connecting those dots when I was in college. I thought, you know, I would... Oh, I think you're giving me too much credit. <laughs> no, for real. Like, yeah, I mean, I went into college thinking I'd probably be a teacher. Oh, really? Yeah. So when did the radio thing kick in? My friend uh, Brian um, in college, we called him Schwa, um, he worked at WKSU, which was the local public radio station, which is a pretty well-respected public radio station, um, way better than, like, the college station. And so he was... I think that he was the one who maybe told me, oh, yeah, I work at this place. Maybe I could get you a job. Because he knew I liked pushing buttons and shit like that. And then I started li – I think then I started listening. Or maybe they both started happening around the same time. And I kind of really fell in love with those race – those long-ass race Suarez intros to Talk of the Nation. Yes. Do you remember those things? Yes, actually, yeah. I never made the connection before. But, but Luke's intros have a lot in common with them. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he would start every – like it was a call-in talk show. But he would start it with like this essay every day. And I think he did it for – each hour so like these yeah. two long essays with sound and everything i was like this is like nothing i've ever heard before yeah. and so then i got a job but you know what enough about work and i say let's uh <laughs> let's what did they say throw some rolls let's thro roll some <laughs> i don't even know i don't know any bowling jargon let's throw some rolls tbtl gets support from tracker with the tracker pixel you won't have to worry about losing things anymore whether those things are your keys or your phone or your wallet or even your pets the tracker pixel will alert you as to where those things are one by sending off a loud sound so if your keys go missing in your house andrew mm -hmm. uh, you go to the tracker app on your phone you press a button and it starts making a sound now let's say you're camping and it's dark the tracker pixel even has an led light on it that will flash so you could find it in the dark and this is actually kind of a cool feature if your phone is missing which is the thing you need 
to activate it. You press the pixel, and it makes your phone start ringing, even if your phone is on silent. Yeah, it works both ways. So you can use your phone to find your objects that trackers uh, attached to, or vice versa. If you're missing your phone, it'll help you find your phone. And you can get it right now if you go to thetracker.com slash TBTL, and you're going to get 20% off any order. That's the tracker. T R A C K R dot com slash TBTL for twenty percent off the tracker dot com slash TBTL. All right, here we are. Okay. We're inside. Yeah, we're kind of stealth. And I, I, I wanna be I wanna be clear about something I said before that um, if I were doing this for news, I would be totally non obfuscatory about what I was recording and why. Oh, right. Like you, you wouldn't, yeah. I mean, if you were working for KOW, you'd have to tell them, I'm here for KOW. I'm going to interview all of your customers about the food poisoning. <laughs> and the diarrhea. <laughs> and the diarrhea. Well, here we are. We are on lane number 19. It is way more busy here than I thought it was going to be. Um, we've got our shoes. I learned that your feet are still growing. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad. I'm so, I feel so lucky I fit into these tens. Um, because I was a, I was a dainty nine <laughs> before I had a kid, and now I'm a ten or an eleven for sure. So and that was like eight years ago. Well, he's six and a half. Um, but I mean, in do- in uh, <laughs> kid year, no, whatever. Yeah. I meant six and a half. I pay attention to things. So okay, so the scene is it's way more crowded than I thought, which makes me. I don't know why that makes me more anxious. I thought we'd be like one of maybe only two bowling parties here. Um, there is a little boy at the lane next to us who's really interested in what he's what we're doing here. He's just staring at us, probably wondering when this is going to be on TV. Uh-huh. <laughs> or he might be. You know, kids are so savvy these days. He might be like, "Is that for a podcast?" Yeah, right. He's like, "I wonder if I get those guys on my podcast." <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's going to give us his card. <laughs> he's thinking. So I uh, found two balls that. Uh, fit my fingers. I have very big sausage-like fingers, uh, which is a problem because I love sausage, so I <laughs> stare at my hands all day. Just very hungry. Uh, one is a 16-pounder. One is a 13-pounder. We'll be giving those a shot. What are you bowling with today? I usually go with the 9. That's what I'm going to do. There was one sitting right there that when I put my fingers in it, it felt good, so I think I'm going to go with that. All right. Now, let's talk about uh, we need to set up our... Um, let's actually come over here. I guess okay. you can't set up a... You can't. There's no chair for the setup of the, our names on the computer system here. I think, I think this one on the left is ours for for lane 19. Okay. Do you know how to use it, or do you want me to do it? I, I've never done it. Um, here, let me do it. Okay, you're gonna do and it. And you take you take okay. all of this stuff. All right, do you do you have a preferred bowling name? Um, I don't. You can you can put Phyllis or Phil or Fletch or whatever you want to put. All right. One thing I don't like already is. The bowling computer with the joystick is down at a level that you should be sitting at, but there are no chairs you can pull up to because everything is uh, bolted to the floor. So I'm bending over this thing like I'm playing a children's video game, and it doesn't seem to work. What if you push enter? One, press enter. Two, follow monitor instructions. So I pushed enter. Phyllis, I really don't want to have to go to the front desk over this. Uh... All right, so quick update on this. We were not able to get the machines to cooperate with us. So Phyllis and I asked the guy at the front desk, who is total nice guy, totally nice guy, if he could help us out. So he just punched our names in. He typed our names in at the front desk. Phyllis is bowling under the name Phyllis. I had to ask him to... Use my bowling name, Hard Rain, 
And he said, like the movie. Whoa, okay. Did you not hear him say that? I couldn't hear what he was saying. I said, can I be hard rain? I said it like that. Can I be hard rain? And he said, yeah, you can be hard rain. You can be anything you want. Hard rain? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, like the movie. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not hip to the movie. He gets it. It's uh, from uh, Taxi Driver. Oh. says, some one of these days a hard rain is going to come and wash all the <laughs> trash off the streets. <laughs> That's who you're bowling against. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. Well, here it is. Frame one. I'll hang on to this thing. You go ahead and bowl. All right. And so it begins. Phyllis the Fletch Fletcher. Frame one. Ball one. Throwing bowls. Here it comes. Not bad. What'd you You got eight? Not not terrible. Yeah, I got eight. I that, had to, I had to, at the last second, remember my bowling etiquette that you you don't basically cut um, in front of people on either side of you. Yes, that's very important. Yeah. So I remembered at the last second, I backed off, and then I went. As a rule follower, you know that shit's important to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. I didn't want to embarrass you. Really irritates me when somebody will do that to me. Okay, you got two. Uh, I don't know the numbers of those pins, but they're close together. So you got this. Okay. She's taking her time. She's making sure everybody around her goes first. Being very patient, being very polite. Here she goes. It's a gutter ball. It's a gutter ball. We got a gutter ball. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> The agony of defeat already. It's okay. It's only that was only frame one. It's only frame one. Okay, you here. You take the rig. Okay. I'm gonna do this. Hard rain's gonna come. <laughs> oh, hard rain's gonna fall. <laughs> all right. He's taking the. Let's see. It's the blue one. So is that the 13? Yeah. Uh, 13 pounder we okay. got there. He's got the 13 pounder. It has an XL next to it, probably to accommodate his sausage like fingers. He's doing a little bit of a Fred Flintstone, and he's off. Whoa! Oh my goodness. Okay, so I think that's what we call a split. Two pins up, but is that a. So, whoa, they put your miles per hour, so. Whoa, look at that. I that got 18.7 was... miles per hour. That's pretty awesome. I'm impressed. I mean, it just it looks so impressive going down. Now, now you got a tough hole to dig out of here with your two pins standing that are wide set. Yeah, wide set. We really should have watched some bowling on TV before we did this, or read a book, or something. Right. Our our color commentary is whack. <laughs> All right. Here he goes to close out his first frame. And it looks like he's going to kill one of them. Yes. He knocked one of them over. Awesome. How close was that? Like, it actually did what I wanted, which is it shot the other pin across the lane. Now, I wasn't successful. I didn't get them both. But it basically did what I wanted it to do. That is amazing. That doesn't happen to me. I'm sorry. I'm not talking shit. I'm just proud. The hard rain is falling, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. But I'm only beating you by one point. (laughs) Well, I'm impressed. All right, here we go. Frame two. Phyllis the Fletch Fletcher makes a very slow approach, winds up, releases. It's heading to the left. It's heading to the left. It is a gutter ball. It's a gutter ball. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to get in my head. (laughs) 
right down the middle. It's looking good. Right down the middle. It's perfect. It's perfect. Oh, one left standing. Very nice. <laughs> in the end, it didn't matter what order I went in. So I got zero the first time. So what? I got nine the second time. Exactly. That is now, yeah, that is not going to be easy for me to keep up with. Hmm. But let's give it a shot. <laughs> I want to point out the kid uh, rolling next to us is rolling with the bumpers up, and that's bullshit. <laughs> no child of mine ever would bowl with the bumpers up. <laughs> All right, here he goes. Hard rain. Oh, shoot. He did what I did. He got a gutter. <sighs> it doesn't feel good, but let's look at the miles per hour. That's what I'm more focused on now. Got another 18.7. All right, he's giving it another shot with his 13-pounder. Whoa, that one sailed about a third of the way down, and it looks like it knocked... How many did you get? Maybe, oh, I got four. Four. 17 and a half miles an hour, though. The thing to note about that is I threw it down half the lane, <laughs> and where it landed, you can still see a dent in the, in the wood. <laughs> yeah, interesting technique. I don't know if Phyllis noted my small little dance I did at the end. It was just a quick little one-step. I didn't get to see it myself, but my assumption is it looked pretty good. Here comes her first roll. It bounced out of the gutter and got one. Yeah, it did. Look. Nice job. It wasn't looking good there. It bounced into the gutter at the very last minute, bounced back out, and got that pin. There's a pin in the gutter. That'll happen sometimes. I would just ignore it. Oh, okay. I'm ignoring. I want you to know I did a tiny bit of research. Do you know that bowling is um, potentially going to be an Olympic sport in 2020? Oh, I forgot. So I'm kind of, this is, this is more than just business and pleasure that I'm here for right now. It's also training. All right. Uh, score at the end of the sixth. At the end of the sixth. Um, 47-38. Hard rain. You know, I, I noticed you put a lot of, you paid a lot of attention, or you seem to anyway, to where you put your feet. And I think I need to start doing that because I've not been doing that. So do you have any advice? Well, I'd like to remind you that I only have 47 points. And in the world of <laughs> in the world of bowling, that it, an expert does not make. But... I am trying to think more about the arrows on the lane than the pins at the end of the lane. And so I'm thinking about when I move my feet around, I'm thinking about where my hand is, where my shoulder is. And so I think I'm aiming between um, if there are nine arrows on the lane, I am aiming kind of between the uh, second and third from the right. Because I think I tend to my, my rolls tend to veer left. So that's what I'm thinking about. As I'm moving my feet around, I'm, I'm positioning my arm. Okay, I'm going to think about this now. That was all bullshit that I told her. <laughs> I really want to win this. I really want to win this. By the way, did you see what the score is of the guy to our left? He was no. Bowling. It was 179 last time I looked. Oh, humiliating. <laughs> Find out which car is his. Slash the tires. <laughs> He's putting two balls in a suitcase. I'm going to ask him something. All right. <laughs> okay. Excuse me, sir. I, we're recording a podcast, and I noticed you were really good at bowling. What's your What's your name? My name's Steve. 
Okay, and you go by Papa up on the screen there? Well, yeah. Um, uh, we live in Costa Rica most of the year, and so Papa is the name, the name I have there, yeah. Not, oh, okay. Yeah? yeah. So, Not so, big Papa, but Papa. This is Andrew. He's going to visit Costa Rica in February, actually. Yeah. Excellent. Where are you going? I knew you were going to ask that, and I was going to tell you I'll have to talk to my girlfriend and get back with you on that. She's making all the plans. Yeah. I hear it's beautiful, though. It is. One recommendation, don't try to do too much. Yeah. Everybody wants to see the whole country in one trip, and there's too much to see. I've lived there for more than six years, and I haven't seen it all. So two weeks, you can't get it done. The good news get is to the beach. nobody has ever accused me of trying to do too much in my life. <laughs> no problem there. So what's your advice for bowling today? We're doing horribly. Please don't look at our score. Uh, I was watching. You're looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um, Your kids are better than we are. Um, yes. <laughs> Although, wait, they, hold on. Wait. Your kids are using bumpers. <laughs> that would be my advice. Put the bumpers up. <laughs> That's what I said a couple minutes ago. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's nothing you could do but um, play more. Right? Practice. He's like, I didn't know Wednesday afternoon we was amateur night. so bad. You don't have one piece of advice for us? I, I do. I do. Um, uh, knock the little white ones down more. Uh, <laughs> this went horribly wrong. Oh, all right. Thank, thank you. How <laughs> embarrassing. All right. That is. First of all, you know how people say, like, oh, don't worry about it. Dance however you want to dance. Nobody's paying attention. Everybody's paying attention. Whenever you think, oh, I can just make a fool of myself in any scenario because you think nobody's paying attention, they are. And the lesson is never put yourself out there and don't try anything. Bowl like Papa is watching. (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, when he said um, just practice more and just do it more, I feel like what he was really saying was quit. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do. Like, I I told you I used to like to go to Imperial Lanes by myself, and I didn't do it as much as I wish I had, but that was the beauty of it is, oh, I know I've told this, uh, like, story too many times, but you know that Robert Putnam book, Bowling Alone, and the whole thing is, like, we don't want to be a society where people bowl alone. We need to, like, get together and have community. I completely disagree with that. Like, I am so into bowling alone because usually if you're bowling with a big group of people, you have to wait. It's hard to get into a rhythm. But if you have an afternoon to kill, you have a lane to yourself, you can just, like, really start to, like, do three games in a row and you get into a rhythm, like Mm -hmm. darts or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, but don't you think that once you got good, maybe you would want to do it with... Papa and other people. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe at that yeah. point, like what yeah. you do is well, not unlike uh, not unlike Taxi Driver. What you do is you <laughs> you spend a lot of time by yourself, doing just like doing pull ups, going insane, sharpening your skills, sharpening yeah. your knives, sharpening yeah. your bowling balls. Yeah. Then you show up <laughs> and you show Papa's what's what. <laughs> That's how it goes. Phyllis Fletcher getting ready for her. Last frame here. Have you notice those old ladies are just fucking drilling us? No, what are they bowling? Oh, yeah, they're up at 77, 82, and they're only like halfway through their game. <laughs> like, I have an old lady name, and I got nothing. <laughs> My name is Phyllis Edna. <laughs> is it really? That's great. Here's the roll. Heading directly to the right gutter. Oh, uh, that was... That was uh, that was never close. Did you see what I did though? No. I knocked that spare pin out of the Oh chair. nice, finally. <laughs> now we can concentrate on the game. Yeah. <laughs> Go Edna. Go Edna. 
All right, rolling what will likely be her final roll of the game. There's the release, heading directly to the left-hand gutter, and in the gutter it is. And uh, there were, you know, there were no pins in that gutter, right? <laughs> A weak finish for Phyllis Edna. Do you think that? Points. How much do you blame on your bowling nickname? Maybe you need a bowling nickname. <laughs> yeah, I should have gone with Wonder Woman, right? You like should have gone with, short? or even it just is. like Edna. Yeah, maybe next time. So, uh, final score there, seventy-one to fifty-nine. We have a big aggressive stop sign that just flashed on the thing that says "Stop, game over." <laughs> somehow, I just sort of feel like that guy, Papa. I have a feeling that he's the one flashing that sign at us somehow. <laughs> All right, let's call it a game. All right. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Oh, yeah, you too. <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Did that seem sincere? <laughs> no. Okay, so we have arrived at the uh, pull tab section of the show here. Now, um, you can buy the pull tabs from bins over the counter, or they have all these old-school machines that have the little uh, pull tab cards that come out. It looks like they're all 25 cents a pop, which is definitely my speed. Um, I was just telling Phyllis, the fun part is you have to pick a, uh, you have to pick a, a pull tab that has a cartoon on it that you like, because you're going to be spending a lot of time with these characters. So I'm going to go with this one that is called Fast Cash, and it's got some old school looking uh, hot rods and hot rod imagery going on, like... Uh, eight balls surrounded by flames and stuff like that. What are you going for? Diamond Duet, which has the bling. Oh, you're you're a real bling queen. <laughs> yes, and I think I might get um, one or two chili dog because it's it's literally a cold dog in a sweater and a, a knit cap, and I feel sorry for him. That is that is pretty cute. <laughs> now, uh, these are the types of machines where it's got this little lever, and you move it to whichever column you wanna you wanna pull from. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I would not have noticed it, and I've never done this before. So let's see, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on the third slot because that stack is the highest. Just just cause. Oh, cool. It's just okay. like getting those, it's very similar to getting those stickers out yeah. of vending machines in Kmart. Yeah. <laughs> How clever of the gambling industry to appeal to something juvenile <laughs> like that. I'm sure that's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, while you're doing that, I just got myself $10 worth of quarters. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm going to, I'll be over here. Now, of course, the upper limit that I can win on mine is $50. Okay. Um, and you see how these things work. Like, clearly on this one, which neither one of us are playing right now, you see they list $50 however many times there's a $50 ticket in there, and they've crossed one off, which means there's now only three fifty winners left in this machine. Right. Okay. That's the that's the Byland Army-themed one. Yeah, which actually <laughs> looks kind of cute in a, yeah. in a militaristic kind of way. Right. We should each do one chili dog. I'm in on this, too. <laughs> all right. Poor chili dog. He's all alone. It is cold out there. <laughs> really, guys, don't keep your dogs in the car on a winter day. All right. All right, my one chili dog, my ten fast caches. Let me scoop up my quarters. Let's okay. go get a soda and maybe sit at one of these uh, tables. Yeah. 
All right. I got myself a Dr. Pepper here. I almost ordered a Pepsi, but then I switched it to Dr. Pepper the last minute, and the woman at the soda fountain was very pleased with my change. She says she doesn't even like Pepsi anymore and that Dr. Pepper sounds a lot better to her. And she also says that if you ever have the opportunity to try um, cherry Dr. Pepper, that you shouldn't sleep on that. Oh, well then. Okay. That's some advice. She knows what... um Verbal or nonverbal cues did she give about my choice of the Siberian chill slushy? She didn't really say anything about it. She's spitting it. <laughs> well, here I go. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, did you go too fast? <laughs> no, but it, it tastes like um, sucrets from like oh. 1980. It's very medicinal tasting. You know what I would have done if I were you on that? I would have gone on the half and half. Oh, like half blue, half red? Yeah. Shoot. Oh, well. This is intense. Do you want something else? Do you want something else? No, no. I'm, I'm Are you sure? Through. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right. good. I'm good. Shall we crack open some of these? Yeah. Let's, um, should we start with the chili dogs? Yeah, chili dogs. So you know you want 50 bucks if you, oh, God, my sternum. Oh, no. <laughs> so cold. The Siberian chill is cold. <laughs> If only there was some sort of warning labor. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, you know you want if you get the two little chili dog and then, like, the little thing that looks like a, a husky or a Malamute. Honestly, you know you want if there's a line through oh, all the cartoons. Okay. It's super easy. Like, it is – it's almost like they make gambling games so that the least educated amongst <laughs> us can still spend their money on it. And the most drunk. Yes. <laughs> okay. I got nothing in mine. All right, Chili Dog was a bust. Oh, but look at all these cute little drawings. Wouldn't that be fun? Right? If you were a graphic designer and actually had, like, skills, wouldn't it be fun to draw the little cartoons? I mean, it would either be fun or, or soul-sucking <laughs> to draw the cartoons that go on, on pull tabs. I think I prefer being on the uh, consumer end of it. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, there have been times where I've been sitting at a bar by myself, happy to be friends with the little characters on yeah. the pull tabs. They're cute. <laughs> I wish I got more chili dog. All right, here I go with my bling. I just want a dollar. <gasps> I think. What? No, there's no line through it. Oh. But it does have a yellow one dollar square on it. Well, then it's a... That's, that doesn't look like a cartoon. That just looks like I want a dollar, right? It does. What does it say on the back? When... Does it say anything about that? It doesn't mention it at all. Oh. Now... And that would be the worst, right? To go up to the counter and be like, "Is this anything?" Like, <laughs> you can't, you can't do that, right? I probably will. <laughs> We're embarrassed about opposite things. I mean, it is a dollar. It's also. Whoa! I just oh. won. I think I just won twenty dollars. What? Look! Oh my god! Okay, so now you don't have to be embarrassed because. It's the same card that has the mystery $1 thing on it, so... See, look at the back. It says... It's confusing, because it says, if there are a bunch of 50s, all the... Oh, no, 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 look. I have those 50s. I won a dollar. So maybe maybe the $1 thing that we saw was foreshadowing. Oh, damn it. I really just thought I won 20 bucks. Now I realize I won a dollar. But that's okay. I still won. You won a dollar, dude. That's awesome. See, I got one of those little fake-out things where it says $50, but apparently for no reason, right? Like, what's that? Well, I don't know, because then you have, like, a code on yours. I would check this out and see Seriously? what that's... Not... See, you... you uh, 
you pulled one back and over top of the pictures there's like some sort of a number and letter code on one of them that would and it's also on a ticket that has $50. Is there a chance you won $50? That would be crazy. It says Wait a second. Look how there there's it's diagonal and there's a line across oh, each one. Oh. I think my friend I think you're rich. <laughs> Look at the top one. It's one diamond, one diamond, then two diamonds yeah. is fifty dollars. You have a code on yours. It says fifty dollars. You just won fifty goddamn dollars. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! That is just exciting. <laughs> that's how they get you. Oh no, I got the I got the adrenaline now. <laughs> that is so great! Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, this is exciting. So I won $1. You won $50. Jeez, can you believe that? Oh, look at this. By the way, she's now just ripping them open several at once now. You are, I just watched you changed. Who are you? <laughs> this is so exciting. Uh, <laughs> see, my, my uh, technique such that it was was on point because I went to that highest stack and I only bought from that stack. I just felt, I had a feeling there was a, a, a diamond in the rough in there. And look. <laughs> Bling. <laughs> you are so full of adrenaline. Right I'm now. so excited. <laughs> I need some of my Siberian chill. Now, I have some emails I want to go over with you. Okay. Should we do them now, or do you want to go uh, get your monies and then come back? Oh. If, if, I, uh, if I get my money, we can sit here and admire it while we answer. <laughs> okay, you go get your money. Okay. I'll get the emails ready. All right, okay. All right, Phyllis, you're back. You just went to cash out your uh, fifty-one fifty. What did you win? Fifty dollars and fifty cents. How did that whole thing go when you went in there with your winning uh, tickets? First of all, I was carded. You have to be eighteen. Oh, right. And when she looked at my ID, she said, "No way." <laughs> you won more than fifty dollars today, my friend. I won everything except the bowling today. I'm 44, proud to say this is the second time in about six months that I've been carded for gambling. Awesome. Yes. But also you have a gambling problem. <laughs> and those are the only two times that I've gambled in six months. But Was she impressed with your winnings, with your $50 winnings? Yeah, so was every guy at the pull tab bar. Of course. So they were like... I was looking for that one all day. <laughs> so, yes. and, and, of course, now they're probably all pulling from the bins. Did you tell them, I got mine from the machine? And also, you're supposed to cross out, the like, when one of those tickets wins, you're supposed to cross off the $50. Did they do all that? Yeah, she had me go over to the machine, pull the sign, and so and then she got out a big marker and made, like, a very elaborate kind of almost cursive X through wow. the first $50 uh, symbol on there so that people know. This bitch took that fitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have a show title. Well, now, I mean, there's nothing I want to talk about more than your winnings, but let's just uh, get through a couple of these emails. This first email is actually about you and your family, and it's actually, I mean, it's kind it's not personal as in it asks any super personal questions but it is about your son so I, here's I the deal with this guess, okay yeah, so here's the deal with this yeah. i'm gonna read it but if you find that any of this information is um uh you know just like you don't want it in the podcast yeah. then i'll just cut it out no joke i always say that as a joke but this yeah. time i actually will yeah okay okay Fair enough. so this is an email from sarah and she writes hey andrew and phyllis 
What's the problem with your son? No, just joking. <laughs> sure, what I was listening to yesterday's show as I was driving to work today, and I was shocked to realize that I know who Phyllis is in real life, or at least who her son is. When she started talking about her six-and-a-half-year-old Gus, I realized that my daughter used to go to daycare in Ballard with Gus. I was sure there was no way there could be more than one six-year-old named Gus in Seattle. Anyway, I have to say that I was always obsessed with how cute Gus is. That may make me sound like a creeper, but honestly, I am. No, she says, but honestly, he is like a miniature adult. Really, he could have started talking about politics or banking, and it would have seemed normal. And I hope I'm not remembering this incorrectly, but didn't he take the hip-hop class in the International District at some point, too? Signed, Sarah. Yeah, that's it. Oh my god, that's so nice. I that's I'm actually hugely relieved because I thought what it was going to be was someone um, freaking out that I have him doing four activities. Oh my god! <laughs> I thought I was going to get some uh, parenting critique on that, <laughs> but um, but that's very sweet, and I'm I'm totally fine with all that stuff being out there. And what's up, Sarah? I would love to know. Um, uh, what Sarah's children's names or what Sarah's child's name is. Um, so that you can be the creeper. No! <laughs> That's so sweet, though. That's so... I mean, obviously, we think he's adorable, but it's always fun to hear someone else say, oh, that kid is so cute. And, you know, he he's a fun guy. So thank you, Sarah. That's very sweet. <laughs> the only remaining question is, if he's such an a, adult-like child, why did he pour water into my cat's litter box? <laughs> hey, Gus wasn't at that party. Oh, wait, was he? Um... Honestly, I was so out of mind at that, my mind at that party. I don't think he was. No, he was not at the party. Okay. I, I, for a second, I was like, I, I really can't remember. But um, Gus did not do that. <laughs> no, he did not. All right. Uh, this one is addressed to me. It's from listener Jason. He wants to know, or he writes, You were sort of burying the lead when you mentioned seeing Star Trek in IMAX 3D on Monday's episode with the Stewbot. You hate the Olympics. You hate singing karaoke. Yet you are fine with putting those awful 3D glasses over your regular glasses? I purposely avoid the 3D screenings, and I go to the regular showings. It saves me $3, and I don't get headaches. I am shocked, sir. Please explain yourself. Apologetic Andrew Ish addendum. I have pretty bad astigmatism, and I used to have crossed eyes, so I might not be getting the full benefit of the 3D effect. It's like when I tried pot brownies. Is it supposed to be super crazy, like Slimer is right there in your face and stuff? Anyway, I love your guest hosting during these two weeks. Ah, oh, thanks, Jason. Um, first of all, I do believe that, yes, if you eat a pot brownie, it is like Slimer is right in your face and stuff. That is... I think. No, um, I did not see uh, Ghostbusters in 3D, but I did see the Star Trek movie, and I've seen a couple of other things in 3D as well. Um, it's not the most comfortable experience having to put glasses over top of your glasses. If I'm by myself, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. It's usually whichever whichever you know movie is playing at the right time for me. Um, I will say this time the, the 3D glasses, like were too tight so like they were kind of digging into my head so like halfway through the movie but also Star Trek was so ridiculous there were many times when I was like ripping my glasses off my face so I could laugh at how absurd it was so that relieved the pressure a little bit um, I also have astigmatism um, and uh, some lazy eye issues and stuff but I still get the 3D effects I mean the, the best 3D effects in any movie is during the like little testing of the 3D they do at the beginning where they have like all the numbers like jump through the other numbers and you're like wow 3D is amazing and then the movie starts and it's like yeah I guess that thing's that spaceship's coming at me a little yeah. bit yeah I can't really for similar reasons to what he describes I can't deal with it I feel a little 
funny, not quite nauseated, but just not right. So I avoid those 3D screenings. I can't take it. I mean, there is a chance that it makes me feel nauseated, but I'm just suppressing that with mountains of popcorn. Like, I am serious. Like, I just, like, I have the bucket of popcorn on my lap, and it is just, like, until that thing is empty, it's just a constant chain of popcorn from my from the bucket to my hand to my face, bucket to hand to face, bucket to hand to face. So I don't even really know what I'm feeling. Um, all right. Oh, by the way, I'm just looking at my phone. Those are all the emails I have, but I did just get a message from somebody who I really don't want to open this message because... I was invited last night. I was actually invited on Monday to go see the Mariners game last night in a, like a media luxury suite or whatever. Oh and I couldn't do it because Genevieve and I were recording um, our After These Messages podcast. And I flirted with the idea of trying to figure out a different recording schedule, but it just didn't make sense. Last night's game went five hours. Yeah. It was 15 innings yes. with a walk-off sack fly. Yeah. At midnight, yeah. and I like I watched part of the game. I turned it off, forgot about the game for a while, went about my evening, and then Genevieve went to bed. And I turned on the TV, and the game was on. And it was I thought it was already the repeat of the game. That yeah. I looked, it was inning fifteen, and I watched like the last like two outs. And I thought I could have been at that game in the lap of luxury. And now I just see that I got an email from the guy who invited me. Ah! Well, here's the thing. In realistic Andrew terms, would you have been psyched or would you have been miserable trying to figure out how to get out of there? No, I would have been psyched. Yeah, because I don't drive to stuff like that. I would have taken the train yeah. in. Yeah. So I wouldn't have been really worried about the crowd or anything. And midnight yeah. is not that late for me. Like, you know, like it's, it's it, like I would have been super psyched, especially like I understand 15 innings in the stands. You, it's going to be exciting, but also you're going to have to really have the fortitude to be there. Mm-hmm. I will also say last I like, I like- I like how you shifted your butt when you said fortitude to be there. Because <laughs> that's what I was thinking. My butt on that bench. I do wonder if this friend of mine stayed for all 15 innings. I find that hard to believe. But I would have. Yeah. Okay. I'd still be right. there. Then I do feel bad that you didn't go. Sorry. I know. That would have been amazing. And it wasn't even that good of an episode of After These Messages either. <laughs> Dang it. You know... Talking about, again, how cool Gus is, he went to that Felix Hernandez perfect game in 2012. No kidding. We Just by himself? <laughs> with daycare. We weren't there. What? <laughs> yeah, it was a day game, and he went with daycare. Oh and I was, I was on a business trip in Florida, and Josh was working. And <laughs> so oh Gus, Gus still has a little certificate that proves he was there and everything. And we're like, you're... Cool. <laughs> Every now and then, are you just like, tell us the story again, Gus? <laughs> How awesome was it? All right. I guess we got to leave it there. Um, Phyllis, thank you so much. Congratulations on your monies. Yeah, I'm psyched. Thank you so much for bringing me here so I could win. And, uh, and uh, yeah, bowling was fun. I think we both have a little bit of work to do, but I think a lot of bowling alone will solve that. I won more money than the number of points I got bowling. <laughs> Is that true? I think no, so. I thought you... Did I only get 49? Uh, something lame like that? Oh, you might have only gotten 49. Yeah, 49.61, right? Anyway, high fives okay. all around. All right. All right congratulations. Um, stay, uh, stay 
tuned to this podcast channel. Uh, listen, I don't know exactly how the technology works, but uh, uh, I am leaving here with Phyllis right now, and as soon as we get the show posted, I am then uh, heading over to Sean DeTore's for dinner tonight for a very special episode of uh, Cooking with Sean, Picky Eater Edition. Uh, I am the picky eater in this case, so uh, tune in tomorrow for that show, and uh, Friday, of course, our friend Aaron Roden will be joining us, and uh, until then, everybody, good luck with your pull tabs, and remember, no mountain too tall, and good luck to all. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. So my first question for you guys, in light of this clip, um, when is the last time you went bowling? And is bowling something that you do? I believe Christy, if I remember correctly, lettered in bowling in high school. Oh, <laughs> I might be imagining that, but I'm pretty sure she just said that recently. Mm-hmm. She did. Uh, so, bet, uh, Western New York, Rust Belt City, bowling alleys all over, although some of the good ones are closing. Uh, last I knew. Uh, what's your bowling experience? I I really enjoy bowling. I'm not very good at it. Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, when I mentioned the um, Meatloaf female, the morning show, uh, Shred and Reagan here, I don't know if you ever listened when you lived here, um, but they used to have a bowling tournament every year, and I I ended up on one of the teams of the DJs the one year, and it was hilarious because I only bowled a 65, but um, the Reagan, the one main host, he bowled a 35 so i was i was very happy of myself in that i was like hey wow. still beat you <laughs> but um yeah my husband and i every every now and then um you know on a on a sunday or something you know we'll go bowling and um there's actually a pretty nice bowling alley uh about 10 minutes away from our house now so um we'll go out there every now and then and just uh roll some bowls or as Andrew would say. And, uh, no, I, I enjoy it quite, quite a bit, but I don't do it enough. Um, I suspect that Andrew may have packed a bowl before going to roll some balls (laughs) and simply got his terminology mixed up by the time he got to the bowling alley. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when someone, when you pick someone up and they tell you you're driving, I'm always a little, (laughs) well, that was, yeah, I was curious about that too. I was like, why is he making Phyllis drive? Yeah, because he said, let's throw some rolls. And then he also said, we're throwing bowls. <laughs> so well, we've talked about yeah. throwed rolls. That's a completely different thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my experience as a bowler, my, my brother was and still kind of is a serious bowler, has his own equipment, and he was on the high school bowling team. So just by being around him, I ended up doing – quite a little bit of of bowling and i'm pretty decent i haven't done it in the last couple of years for obvious reasons um but uh cullen likes to bowl and so we would go uh once in a while and my my going away party from my uh work when i left austin um they had it at at one of those uh douchebag bowling alleys in, <laughs> in bellevue square you know <laughs> super fancy high-end place oh boy. and uh i i I've never I've never bowled better. I was fantastic. <laughs> so 
Uh, but but I'm like a probably usually between like 140 and 170. Oh that's, man, that's about where I average or top out. It's so uh, still my, better. Than my brother's more of a, like a 180 to 200 guy. Yeah, that's my husband. I can't. Yeah, uh, pretty good. I was a darts guy when it came to pub sports or sort of recreational sports. Mm-hmm. Um, darts more than bowling. Uh, the last time, the the very last time I bowled was uh, with Sam at this place here in Pawtucket called Break Time. That's um, a candle pin because it's New England. Oh wow! Uh, I've and, been there. I didn't have once when I was a kid. It was great. Yeah, it's old school. It's wooden lanes, and it's the top floor of an old factory building in town. It was built as a break room for the factory workers, and they actually have hipsters down at the end of the lanes resetting your pins by hand, and uh-huh. you get drunk and pay by the hour to throw smaller balls down these old school candle pin mm-hmm. lanes, and it's very cute and quaint. Um, she took me because I was in a bad mood and it didn't really help. So I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I could have, but yeah. um, it was very thoughtful of her. Uh, the last time I think I went to a real bowling alley was actually this very same Kenmore lanes. And it was, um, I believe the, the night before Christy and Jeremy's uh, not wedding, but their reception. That was the night before party. I think that was Jeremy's want was for us all to hang out at Kenmore lanes. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as, uh, Phyllis especially is painting the scene at Kemore Lanes. I'm really seeing all of it because I think that guy who entered Hard Rain into that computer, I'm sure it's the same guy who sold us a spare bowling pin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see we all made notes about uh, the fact that Andrew drives a stick, and I noted that he says the clutch is blown on it, which is even more exciting. Yeah. Um, and so – it's even ballsier that Andrew would say, hey, you're driving. By the way, you drive stick, yeah. right? Yeah. He, he was lucky. She, She's good. Yeah. She's self-proclaimed great, great manual transmission driver. Well, and hearing about some of her car troubles, too. Like, you have to know that she's she's great with a car crisis. So, And I just loved how when he was like, oh, by the way, there's no clutch. She was just immediately, well, it's pretty flat. We'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, but you have not me written in I your notes. I do not Beth. know how to drive a stick. I can drive. I can ride a motorcycle, but I cannot drive a stick. <laughs> well, there there are two um, old school skills that are talked about during this podcast. One of which Andrew can do, which is drive the stick, and one of which he can't do, which is keep score at a bowling alley. Are yeah. you able to keep <laughs> score? Uh-oh. Can you save face by being able to keep score in bowling? I've never had to. Um, Due to my age, there's always been a computer. Kids today. <laughs> Kids today. What hey, are we going to do? Me and Bobby are the same the, age. The, Come on. What happens if if the big if the if the if the big satellites come down and take out all your automatic scoring? <laughs> well, how are you going to keep score your bowling now? Last man on earth style. I'll, I'll figure it out. Don't go crawling to me. I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm not helping you. We noted that Andrew can't keep score. The final score of this game was 71 to 59, Andrew. I think mainly based on his ability to heave the ball faster down the lane. Probably. It didn't have as much time to get in the gutter. They should have put the rails up. Yeah. I know, but he's ripping on the kids for using them. (laughs) He needs bumpers, though. Uh, we get uh, Andrew talking about his sausage fingers in something I can't decide whether or not I want to isolate as a clip. 
<laughs> oh, I just stare at my fingers all day. <laughs> or, yeah, I stare at my hands all day. Ah, <laughs> uh, yikes. Yeah. Uh, and then hard rain. So we can use the uh, benefit of hindsight to clarify something we already knew when he was saying it the first time, which is that hard rain is a misquote of the film Taxi Driver. Yes. And his name <laughs> should be, I guess, Real Rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Um, I, I don't know. I knew this at the time that he was wrong on that, but I didn't sharpshoot or anything because I thought that the only reason that I knew is because I actually had a cassette of the Taxi Driver soundtrack, and on that soundtrack he does that soliloquy where he says a real rain, and I thought this is this is too deep of a cut for me to sharpshoot, you know. Like, he couldn't have been expected to know that. But I guess it's good so he doesn't embarrass himself someday. Right. Well, and then he got super embarrassed on the show when he found out he was wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> I just, it made me think of um, Rorschach's soliloquy in Watchmen in the beginning. Because he talks about mm -hmm. how the rain is going to come and wash the streets clean. But... You know, obviously, neither of them actually say hard rain. I can't remember what movie he actually ended up finding out that it was from. But it was. Yeah, it sounds like something that does exist in the world. Yeah, because it, it. As far as a movie line, but just not the movie that he thought. Exactly. So he'd just been, you know, misunderstanding well, there, his whole life. <laughs> there is a 1998 film called Hard Rain. Yeah, and I think that's why the guy at the bowling alley was like, oh, like the movie. And, of course, Andrew thought he was talking about Taxi Driver, but he was actually talking about the movie Hard Rain. <laughs> Do you imagine yourself as more of a Christian Slater or more of a Morgan Freeman? <laughs> Probably Christian Slater. Well, know. you know, it's 2017. <laughs> you can be whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Phyllis's middle name is Edna because she's just got the old lady trifecta of names. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And I like that Andrew suggested that her bowling name should be Edna, and she might do better. Edna is definitely the kind of name that I could see embroidered on a 1950s jacket that you might wear to bowling alley. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or if you were in the pin pals. Edna, if someone named Edna knows how to keep score at a bowling alley. You can guarantee that. Yes, absolutely. Um, you may not have to submit a picture after all, but because maybe I'll just use a pin pals picture. Oh, <laughs> idea <laughs> it's a nice overlap of our interests here on this particular yes. episode <laughs> yeah it fits the venn diagram <laughs> now who's on the pin the pin pals lenny no apu. um it was apu was a, homer otto and mo and then they kicked otto out because mr burns wanted to join okay right which is okay because Otto only wanted a lobster harmonica out of the yes. claw machine. So, yeah, yeah. Bowl like Papa is watching is the <laughs> life lesson that we take as a quote yes. from Phyllis, who who can't just let the uh, episode go. She has to put on her reporter hat and interview the expert bowler next to them, who's clearly watching them fail. Yes, my favorite thing that he said was, "Knock the little white ones down more." Mm -hmm. that was great that's always been the joke about like the um you know the bowling coverage on tv it's like the color 
the color commentator, like the the play by play guy, is well, what's the strategy here? And then the color guy goes, well, with this first ball, he's going to try to knock down all the pins, <laughs> and if, if unsuccessful, he'll try to take that second shot and knock down the remaining pins. <laughs> there, there you go. It's the John all Madden set. school of color commentary. That's how yeah. you do it. What what else? What else is there? It would be really great if they just got the telestrator out to continually illustrate a ball going down the center of the lane to take down all the pins. Yeah. Yeah. You want to hit it right here. Boom. All the pins go down and then you don't even need a second ball. Did you guys know that? Uh, I think that's it for my notes, but bet I don't want to pass by the chili dog. Oh yeah. That was great. And I, I loved Andrew. You, you're going to end up spending a lot of time with your pull tab character. <laughs> it's just fantastic. But the way Phyllis described the chili dog is actually being a chili dog with a little hat and coat. Just, I don't, that made me re- laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're quick with the puns on those uh, pull tab art. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate the the art of it. Yeah, those are they're cool to look at. Oh, and I love how they uh, debated whether or not they'd want to be the graphic designer of the pull tab characters. <laughs> uh, well, in my experience, if they are a graphic designer making pull tabs, they're going to be 27 years old and looking to buy a $500,000 house on House Hunters. So that's fine. Yes, Inspiring that is pull correct. Tab <laughs> graphic designer. Yes. Oh, um, I don't know that we have to say all that much more about this clip just because, well, clip the whole damn episode. Because right. it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a nice standalone window into uh, summer 2016. But do you guys have anything else? I do not. Well, all right, then. Uh, Mike, do uh, you want to do a little housekeeping? Um, I think my voice just sure. cracked trying to say that. <laughs> sure. We ab- absolutely uh, need more people to archive uh, as we're... Catching oh. up with reality. They keep making more shows. I need and to start Frankly, doing that. I've been told my notes are not good enough for the archive. Uh, <laughs> half the time, I don't even know what they mean when I look back at them. So, we love you um, anyway. Please help us out. What's the what's our page where that goes on? The TBTL is archivists. It's easier just to email Christy or reach out to Christy directly first, and then she gets everybody squared away. She's the She's definitely the go-to master of all things archive. That's true. Okay, get in touch with Christy. Uh, you can use the Amazon link as the holidays approach, as Bet, Bet was noting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can order up uh, order up all your Christmas gifts. I said Christmas. That's right. <laughs> Doesn't make me a Trump fan. Um, you can order up all your holiday gifts at uh, our, through our Amazon link on our page. And then we have merch. Speaking of Christmas gifts... Buy some of our awesome merch for your um, 11, and they will just look at it and just hand it right back to you, and you get to wear it or use it. So that's a great uh, gift idea for you to give yourself. So that's all we got this week. Yeah. Find the website at littleredbandwagon.com on Facebook. We're occasionally in the Stens page, but mostly at Little Red Bandwagon. On Twitter, we're at LRB Podcast. Bet, where can people find you? Um, I am on uh twitter instagram and facebook uh if you want to find me on facebook my name is elizabeth mcelreath and that's m-c-i-l-r-e-a-t-h i know that's difficult for some people 
Um, on Instagram, I am Cupcake Mama Forty Two, all one word, and on Twitter, I am Mick Cupcake Forty Two. Also, did you start with uh, Cupcake One and then keep had to keep going until you get to Forty Two, <laughs> and then that was available? <laughs> no, actually, I uh, use the Forty Two for very nerdy reasons. Uh, it's life, the, the universe, life, and everything. Uh, the meaning of life, the universe, yeah, and everything. Obviously, so. oh, that's a. I thought All Jackie Robinson are... that's for my mind. <laughs> yeah. Nope, Douglas Adams. <laughs> uh, you can email us at littleredbadmarket at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail or a text message at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, I'll get us out of here. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Nailed it. Someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets.